Welcome back to Aliyah Yomi. This is Korach Shlishi, the third Aliyah in Parshas Korach. And our Aliyah is made up of 22 Psukim and runs from Perik Tes Zion Pasukov to Perik Yud Zion Pasuk Ches. The main idea about this Aliyah is the swallowing up of Korach and his community. This is where the real action of the parasha occurs and it's a longer Aliyah. A lot going on over here. Let's look at the summary and then we'll take a look at some of the points to ponder. It's a long Aliyah. Hashem commands Moshe and Aaron to separate themselves from the community because Hashem will destroy the community. Moshe and Aaron immediately they prostrate themselves and they say, HaKosh Baruch Hu, you can't kill all the individuals. What about all the good people? So Hashem says, remove yourselves from the, the tents of Korach and his family and Dustin and Aviram. So at, this, at which point, Moshe and Aaron now went out to tell the people, stay away from these Rishayim and their tents and their possessions because they will be consumed in their sins. The people listen, they move away from Dustin and Aviram and Korach, but Dustin and Aviram remain standing, it's Savim, they're defiant in their, in their posture at the entrance of their tents. Moshe then turns out and says that he's going to present a test that will show that he's not making up these decisions that he's made up till now. He says if these people die a natural death, death, then HaKadosh Baruch Hu never sent Moshe. Rather, if Hashem will create a creation, a new creation, that the earth will open up its bowels and swallow them all up, then you'll know that it is because they cursed Hashem this is happening. As soon as he finishes speaking, the earth does open up, swallows everybody um, there, and they are swallowed alive, and everybody else remains behind, is, is terrified. They start fleeing because they hear about, they, they see this whole episode going on, at which point a fire um, descends on heaven, consuming all the 250 people of the, uh, the assembly of Korach. And Hashem tells Moshe and Elazar to take the fire plans after this death, the fire plans of these 250, and take them and flatten them out to be the cover for the Mizbech, to be an edifice as a memorial for the episode, so that people will remember not be like Korach and his community. It's obviously set on the Mizbech, because the Mizbech is the place where the, 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 the fire is taken for, for these sacrifices. So when people see the Mizbech, they will remember this episode and say, and understand that there's not going to be other people who differentiate or um, castigate the Kohuna. So a few basic questions on this Aliyah. Question number one is, who did Hashem originally want to destroy? The Moshe and Aaron were so upset, they prostrated themselves. So the Ksava Kabbalah of Rayakot C. Mecklenburg explains that uh, that initially they thought that Hashem was going to destroy the whole community, like the Miraglim, like the Cheta Egel, um, and that's why they begged Hashem not to do this. But Hashem then clarified that that was not his intention. His intention was actually only, in fact, to destroy those associated with Korach. Next question, why did Moshe choose this type of punishment? So the Gur Arya, the Maharal, explains that, some, that there's, he chose something which would be so different, so unique, that no one would ever be able to say that this is Moshe, something Moshe Rabbeinu could predict. Yes, retrospectively, we can explain all the differences and how natural, not natural this is, but this is something so unusual that there's no possible way that this could have been Moshe Rabbeinu saying, well, I know the wind's blowing and there's going to be a tornado which is going to come, as an example. The Rachai Makarish explains, if fascinating, based on the Gomorrah, very in, in Sanhedrin, very powerful thing that the earth actually had been cursed when it absorbed the blood of Hevel, the first murder in all of human history. What a terrible Chilol Hashem, emptying of Hashem's presence in this world, when one of the few, very few human beings on the planet was murdered by his brother um, Hevel. And Akash Baruch at that point and says, Arur asher You're going to be cursed from the land, a continuation of the curse of Adam, and um, based on the relationship to the earth, because it opened its mouth to receive the, blo the bloods of your brother. The Gemara comments, the Rachim expands on this, that the earth remained quiet, it was not able to sing Shira for all those years until the point that it was able to open up its mouth to now at this point in time express the 
um, the idea of Kiddush Hashem, that when Hashem was cursed, those perpetrators would be brought down into it. And that's what's going on here. This is the rectification of, for, for the, on the side of the earth as well. Was this a natural expression or not? So based on the Mishnah in Perkei Avos, the Mishnah in Perkei Avos actually says this is one of the ten things that was created Bein Hashmoshas, just before Shabbos. It was sort of part of this world, not part of this world as an example, but it really did exist. So the Mephoshim struggle with the word Bria, which indicates a new creation. What is new about this? So the Rabbeinu Bechaya quotes the Ramban, who explains that earthquakes certainly are natural. They happen all over, unfortunately. They're a terrifying thing. However, this actually was different from a natural earthquake in two ways. Number one is that usually when there's an earthquake, it's usually the outer crust of the tectonic plates which opens up. Here, it was actually the bowels of the very earth itself went much deeper. That's number one. Number two is, is that usually when there's an earthquake, it'll remain, let's say let's say the plates crack or they crumble against each other, um, that will remain, the destruction will remain. In this case, it opened and closed. There was nothing remaining afterwards as well, which indicated this was a supernatural experience. Another question. It sounds from the Pesukim that the wives and children of these perpetrators also died. Why is that so? Why should that be the case? The Sforno, Rabbi Vadya Sforno, explains that is not the case. Only those who were involved in the Machlokas were actually killed, which mean, indicates that those who were perhaps associated with them were in fact not just um, ancillary, but they were actually part of the plot, part of this whole discussion. Rashi talks about this in the issue of On Ben Peles, whose wife was actually instrumental in removing him from the Machlokas. And the indication is, is that those who remained were there their families also involved in the Machlaikas, goading them on and explaining to them as they came back after, you know, their latest blog or op-ed in the, in the papers against Moshe Rabbeinu and, and Aaron. So the, their families were very much behind them, which is, which is why they also suffered this terrible death. The Balaturim actually points out that the words, the Soifei Tevos, the last letters of the Posuk, which are Adam um, Korach, is uh, the word Cherem, which means to say those who are associated with evil people will also be included in the Cherem and the destruction. A terrifying thing. One has to think carefully about who one associates with one does the one turn a blind eye to bad people, to people who are doing bad things and defaming the um, leaders? Terrifying, terrifying idea, as the Balderim says over here. Rashi explains that, in fact, this they perhaps the children, the family, were not deserving of death, but this is the danger of machloikas. Machloikas means that there are collateral victims, and those who may be innocent will actually die, because that's the severity of machloikas. A terrifying thought is about how important it is to avoid being involved in any type of machloikas. What actually happened to Korach? This is a debate in the Gemara in Sanhedrin, and Rashi, Rashi quotes this, um, uh, that it isn't actually clear, it doesn't say what actually happened to Korach, but later on in the Pesukim, it does say that Korach was in fact one of the people who was absorbed in the ground. Why is it not clear? Why is it not made explicit? So the Birkas Asher explains that the reason is, is because Korach himself did have Hirurei Shuvah. He did actually think about doing Teshuva, but it was too late for him because he was the one who instigated the Machlaikas. So whether or not he had Hirurei Shuvah, he still died, but it was emphasize that that he died in this particular way but at this point in time it was too late for him because he had now lit the flame and the fire in the inferno was burning so it doesn't make a difference um, at this point in time about his hero shrine for a chuva unfortunately for his children it would help but not for him necessarily finally why was that is it was Elazar ben Aaron who was to- sent to bring the fire pads and bring them to the Mizbech so Rashi explains because Aaron was part of the Machlokas or at least he was accused as being part of the Machlokas falsely which is why Elazar was the appropriate um, agent in this case who was detached from the soul experience. Have a wonderful and meaningful day.